Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word and transform our lives. Amen. That was really great. It was great. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being in Jerusalem at Passover? The festival. The pilgrims walking up to Jerusalem, up the hill from all the sides, singing the Psalms of Ascent on the way, the bustle of activity in the temple, the oxen and the goats for sin offerings, the doves for the poor who couldn't afford a goat, people changing um, Roman denarii for temple shekels so that you can pay without coins that have Caesar's image on them for the temple. It must have been exciting. It must have been a big deal. People were celebrating when God freed them from Egypt. God has rescued us. Let's celebrate. Let's pay for our sin. Let's sacrifice these animals. People from all over the country come to one place, the place where God and Israel interact, the temple, the meeting place between heaven and earth, the overlapping point where the two circles join, heaven and earth. Just like Eden was a temple, creation was a temple. God commanded Israel to set up a tent and then build a building, the meeting place between God and people. He commanded them to bring sacrifices. And if you're coming from a long distance, you should bring some money and you can buy a sacrifice at the temple because you don't want to bring a ram or a sheep and have it to have something happen along the way and you have to go all the way back home and get another perfect one. Just buy one at the temple. You can be atone, your sins can be atoned for there. But what did Jesus do? He sat down and he made a whip and he drove everybody out. He grabbed the, the money and he threw it everywhere and he flipped the money exchange tables. It's a little bit shocking if you step outside of, uh, if we step outside of our Christian bubble that's been reading it since Sunday school. What? He did what? Is this the same Jesus that I see pictures of with the, the lamb over his shoulders and, and a friend of sinners? Why is he making whips and things? It doesn't make sense. What was he doing? Can you imagine being there? You've walked for a couple days. You've sang your psalms. You're all ready to have your sins atoned for. You spent all this money on a sheep or a dove if you couldn't afford one. And in comes this guy and he whips everything out, flips over all the money. How are your sins going to be atoned for now? He condemned the greed, he condemned the corruption that had twisted the very thing that was supposed to free Israel from greed and corruption. The place where your sins are atoned for had been infested with sin and had become corrupted. The medicine couldn't work, it was infected. The whole thing was rotten. How could Israel bring God's light to the nations if Israel wasn't light itself? What could happen? So, whips and throwing over tables. What authority do you have to do this? Just who do you think you are? You act like you own the place. Tear down this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. 
taking forever to build this thing. Look at how big the stones are. It's not even done yet. You're going to build this in three days? You're going to provide a place where heaven and earth overlap, where sins are atoned for, where God's light will spread across the whole world? You're going to do that in three days? I don't think so. But he did, didn't he? I like John. He's not like some of the other gospel writers. He doesn't trust us to read between the lines. He, he just tells us, tells us what happened. After his resurrection, we knew that he was talking about his body. So that's right. He did become the meeting place. Through his death, through his resurrection, he became the temple. He became the place where heaven and earth overlap, where we go to meet with God, where we go for atonement from sins. He became the lamb. You don't need money anymore. You don't need to come to the one place, in the one city, in the one country, in the whole world. Salvation is for everyone. The covenant is for everyone. The door is open. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So we don't come to places built, temples built with human hands to worship God. We don't offer sacrifices for our sin over and over. There's no deal we can strike with God to get his forgiveness. There's nothing we can pay for that will earn his favor. There's no religious activity we can engage in that will make us more acceptable to God. There's no relic or icon that can bring us into God's presence. Because all things in heaven and earth have been united in Christ. He has become the head over all things. There is no other name under heaven and earth by which we are to be saved. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, everything on heaven and earth and under the earth will bow. And we get to join him with all the saints together to spread God's temple to the world. We are the priests, the royal priesthood. We're servants of the temple to bring the overlapping of heaven and earth across the whole world so that one day the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God just like water fills the sea. So praise God. Praise God that he's done that for us. Praise God that we come to Jesus and that's it. That he's done what we couldn't do. That he's done what the temple, the animals couldn't do. So we come to Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've rescued us just like you rescued Israel at Passover. Thank you that you've atoned for us. Just like the spilling of the blood of a perfect lamb, you've atoned for us. Thank you that you rose from the dead and conquered sin and death. Thank you that you commissioned us and empowered us with your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.